I'll go right into the Word of God. And uh, it's good. Because it's the Word of God. It's good. Amen. Amen. And I want to remind you of this. On Sunday, this coming Sunday, 29th of May, is a Pentecost Sunday, which is uh, known as the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot in Hebrew. And, and as, as already, we already announced to you, I want you to believe God for a special seed. And I'm going to show you from the scriptures why this is important. Like what Dikon Yvonne has said, and I do believe it with all my heart. When, because of the word of God, definitely. You see the world the way it is and being shaken in so many ways. Uh, reports of even like they, they've been talking, I think this week I've seen uh, a little bit of this, of the dollar, the U.S. dollar falling and on and on. All they're talking about digital currency probably will go into this and on and on and on. If, if you don't pay attention to the word of God, you panic. And what does that mean? You withhold. Instead of trusting the Lord to hear him, for him to give instructions of, on what to do. Just think about this in that Deuteronomy. That, that's not in Genesis 26. Let, let me read this for the sake of what I've just said there. In that Genesis 26. Look at verse 1. It says, Now there was famine in the land. Talk of inflation. Talk of all that comes in in a nation affecting the economy of the nations. There was famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. In other words, this is, is even worse. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Now that's in the time of famine, you really need, you, you need the voice of God to be alive in your heart, to hear his instructions. What, who you are supposed to pay attention to is God and his word. Whatever happens in our lives, whatever happens in the earth, whatever happens in this world, we're supposed to be paying attention to the word of God. God has never changed. He has never, ever changed. I was sent for, I thought I, I could have put it over here. Maybe I'll do it some, some weeks, uh, maybe in, in next week or, or so. But I was sent for uh, a clip of Mazabit, how it looks now, and the green uh, maize field. And I met with a certain man who was a former MP this past week at lunch with his wife, and he was telling me that, that the last time he was actually confirming what the pastor had told me, the pastor from Massabit, the last time that they had this much of rainfall was in 1997, 26 years ago. And they sent me a clip, I have it on WhatsApp, but the man said this, that now the way Massabit looks now is the way we used to know Massabit. Maize, saw the maize fields. 
He didn't send me over cows. I wanted to see those cows. But I already saw them in the spirit on 1st of December 2022 when I was praying there. I saw those, the, the, green, the green fields, maize fields, and I saw fatted cows. And uh, when I told the pastors, three pastors I was meeting with, I told them what the Lord has showed me. Later on, he confessed. He said, of course, they looked at me politely, just the way you're looking at me. But I'm, never, I'm not moved by how people look at me. Because later on, he told me that. He told me, actually, when you told us, we didn't believe that. Because you have been in this place for years and you've not seen anything changing but it becoming worse. Listen to this. In the time of famine, you need the word of God. Not only that time, but especially in the time of famine. Because as long as you can hear the voice of God giving you instructions, when people are being laid off, when businesses are failing, when professionals are failing, you are thriving. What's the difference? The word of the living God. You have his instruction. He said, appear to him and say, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in the land and I'll be with you and bless you. For you and your descendants, I give all these lands and I'll perform the oath which I saw to Abraham, your father. And he, he says, goes verse 4, and I'll make, your descendants, I'll make your descendants multiply at the stars of heaven. I'll give to your descendants all the lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because of Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandment, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerard. That means he obeyed. And the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, she's my sister. For he was afraid to say she's my wife because he thought, he thought wrong. Anyway, and, and, and then he goes on to say that he sowed in that year, and in the same year, I reaped what? A hundredfold. The Isaac verse 12. The Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Just because God has blessed you does not mean that you do nothing. Obedience is such a key for us to be able to move in what God wants us to experience. So, I'll, I'll say this, like I've heard Dr. Jerusalem say for so many years, you always, you must believe God to be seed-minded and not need-minded. Where is the seed for this, Lord? Where is the seed for this situation? I want that. Amen? So we're giving an opportunity to be able to sow a seed on this Pentecost Sunday. And things are opening up in our relationship with Israel. I know some of it will be more evident and share with you, but things are opening up. We, have, we, are, we are receiving more opportunities actually to sow in, in helping the Jewish people, according to the word of God in Genesis 12, to be, a, to be blessed, to be a blessing. And we've told you in the past during that Feast of uh, Passover, Feast of Weeks and the Feast of uh, Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacle, we saw our seed. That's not the only time that we give, but we support the work of God there in Israel for the Jewish people. And in Deuteronomy 16, 16, 16 to 17, it says, Three times a year all your men shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, 
and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. But look at this. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. But in verse 17 says this. Every man shall give as he is able. That's the grace. That's the ability. Because God is faithful to, to fulfill his word. He says, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. In other words, you are never without a seed. If you pay attention to the Lord, let me tell you, youth, we think like, yeah, but I have to wait for money to be given by my parents. You are never without a seed. You can wake up in the morning and do something and ask the Lord, I'm doing this as my seed. If you don't like washing dishes, you do that as, a, as unto the Lord, as a seed. You wake up in the morning, I'm doing it as a seed. Probably as you saw as a seed, what happens, the dishwasher cometh. Hallelujah. It, be, it, be, it gets better with a dishwasher, don't you think so? But you saw it as a seed. You have an opportunity every time you and I have an opportunity to sow a seed. Listen this. And, and then I'll, I'll read a sketch, and then I'll tell you the title of the message today. There's nothing haphazard with God. Nothing haphazard with God. What is one of the, what are some of the meanings of haphazard is what? Helter skelter? Is that a good English word? Helter skelter? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good English word right there. There's nothing haphazard with God. When you are dealing with God, you are dealing with plans. You are dealing with purposes. You are doing, dealing with order. Nothing, nothing at all is done at random. Nothing. God is a God of purpose. He's a God of order. That's why I see your eyes, every one of you looking at me where your eyes are at. I'm not seeing anyone with an eye at the back of your head. So for someone to believe evolution and Big Bang theory is just crazy. God is a God of order. He does everything in plan. Everything about God is planned. Is planned. Therefore, we must be intentional. I'll say it again. I use this word so many times. We must be intentional in our pursuit. When we are dealing with God in our lives, or if God is going to work through our lives, we must be intentional in our pursuit. Intentional in our pursuit. That's why the, the year begins and there are so many resolutions. I'll be serving in such and such a thing in church and I'll be doing this and I'll be going for every meeting in church until February reaches. And March. And I'm going to be a bodybuilder until the morning, morning arrives. Anyone who's ever dealt with that? I'm the only one when morning arrives. So, yeah, man, I think I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> but if you're, doing, you're dealing with God, anything in life, you have to be intentional. Let's read a scripture, then I'll give you the title of the message. In Acts chapter 15, verse, verse, verse 18 from the Passion Translation, look at this. It says this, 
for I have made known my works from eternity. Let's read it together. For I have made known my works from eternity. I have made known my works from eternity. God has made known his works from eternity. So I'm talking about the eternal purposes of God. I was going to continue the living word of God, but I want to prepare you for the Passover, for the Pentecost season that is coming. Right? I think on Thursday evening begins Passover. Uh, Passover. Pentecost. It's a Greek word, Pentecost. So the eternal purposes of God. Reading, studying his word and listening to him and promptly obeying him is critical. Reading, studying his word and listening to him and probably obeying him is critical. So I sense the Lord wants us to prepare our hearts for this Pentecost. It's not just a historic fact, but it's alive today when acted upon by faith. Think about this. When God, you're dealing with God, you're dealing with eternity. So nothing is a historical fact because the word of God is living and is active. That which happened about 2,000 years ago, the one who's not born again, You've never received Jesus Christ. It, the fact happened about 2,000 years ago, but you can make a decision and receive Christ right now. You, you see what I'm saying? Because it's alive. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see it in the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years, 2,000 years, about 2,000 years ago. But if you make a decision right today, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in other tongues. What does that mean? God never changes. God does not live in time. God inhabits eternity. God, you cannot box God in time. That's why you hear people say, God, if you don't show up by tomorrow, I think I'm done with this salvation. Oh, really? Who are you looking for now? After you're done with salvation, who will be your father? You can fill in the blanks. So, so the word of God is alive today. Let's go to John 20. John 20. 20, 20, 23. <clears throat> Give me the word. Hallelujah. <laughs> John 20. He had been raised from the dead. And he's appearing to his disciples. And look at verse 20. says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands. And he said, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's, that's amazing by itself. As the Father has sent me, do I send you? I send you in the same authority. That the Father sent me to come on this earth. In other words, go out in my name. You have that authority. As the Father sent me, so, uh, so I send you. And then he says this. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see something there. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you return the sins of any, they are returned. Now, immediately after, in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to explain something here. So I want us to go to Acts chapter 1, 
in verse 4. Acts comes uh, immediately after the book of John, okay? And being assembled together with them, now he's about to, to ascend to heaven, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now look at this. Then what happened in John 20, and what is he telling them in Acts chapter 1? In John 20, you see that he said to them, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now think about this, church. Which have what different teachers of the Bible think differently. But I do believe this is so consistent with the scriptures. When he breathed unto them, they got born again. Why would I say so? Why would I say so? Remember, Jesus Christ is the first man to be born again from death to life. He's the firstborn of all creation. He was born again. When he breathed into them, they got born again. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I want you to see something there. There'll be some meat, but God has given you the grace. You see, that's why Deacon Yvonne told you the grace. So there'll be some meat. So don't say, Pastor, uh, today was uh, uh, deep. Let's go right in there. Huh? Come on now. But if you respond, it will be better. Well, I, tell, I, tell a, I tell a little girl, Tina, uh, when, she, when she's not happy, she just doesn't want to talk. Then I go around uh, near her face and I say, if you smile, you look better and beautiful. If you smile, you look even more beautiful. And then she smiles. I say, you see, you see. And then she smiles even further. That means we can now talk. So you have to remove these attitudes from very young age. <laughs> That's amazing. And then she, she starts smiling. And then the next thing, she starts conversation. Now, she came into the house. Tina and I agreed that uh, when you got, we got married, we agreed that we are not going to stay uh, uh, without talking to each other. But I refused, Josh. Now you say, oh, that has happened in my marriage. That's fine, but you can get rid of that dumb and deaf spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Because if you are not talking, what does that mean? <laughs> you can get rid of that deaf spirit. Because you know, if, if you're not talking to each other and she says something and you say, that's what that that's what that's deafness. And you're not responding, that's dumbness. So then I cast out dumb and deafness spirit out of marriages in the name of Jesus. It's gone. Oh, oh, oh. So you go back there, you start talking to each other. But really, we made up our minds. I, I mean, I, I just, I thought like, man, I talked even when I was alone. Why would I get married and not talk? <laughs> yeah. So, so if you've not been talking to each other, you go back this evening and say, you, you just
just go in the city and just smile. What are you? What are you? Why are you smiling? So I'm happy. Why is that so? We can talk to each other. And then the way you start a conversation is this way. Do you remember the first time we met? Do you remember the first time we decided to sit down and talk? Yeah, do you know she's getting excited now? Okay. I've given you counsel for free. Look at verse 7, uh, Genesis 2, 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of dust of the ground and did what? Breathed into his nostrils, what? The breath of life and man became a living being. Now, but remember after that he sinned. All right? And what does the Bible say? He died. But look at this then. Let me read a statement over here. I like it. I like it. I like it. The old creation, this is the old creation, began with the breath of God. Now the new creation begins with the breath of God the Son. Woo! The old creation in Genesis 2-7 began with the, the, the breath of what? Of God. And now the new creation begins with the breath of God, the Son. He breathed into them. They got born again. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Are you able to have it there, please? Yeah. Let's have it from the Amplified Classic Version. All right, look at this. Therefore, if any person is grafted in Christ the Messiah... He's what? He's what? A new creation, a new creature altogether. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you became what? A new creature altogether. The old man died. That's why we don't grow old in Christ. No, I'm just kidding. We mature. Dr. Jerry Saville says, you, we grow older. I read, I read, I was reading something last evening. I thought, man, this is so good. They say uh, in the traditional, uh, I can't validate it, but I was reading somewhere. In traditional Jewish, uh, in, in Jewish tradition, they say wisdom begins at 50. I thought, I qualified. <laughs> right there, qualified. Wisdom begins at 50. You are yet to qualify, many of you. But there is a spirit in a man, in man. And that's the spirit of God who gave you wisdom. You see, you see what I'm saying? But there's a spirit of man. That's the spirit of God who grants you wisdom. So you become what? A new, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh anew has come. I don't know about you. The day I gave my life to Christ, I felt fresh. I really did. I tell people, I, I, learned, I, I had someone say this, this, I think last year. I think I had two people say, I thought, that's what happened to me. I've told people, but they don't understand what, what really that meant. Or when I give, my test, I give my testimony. I looked up to heaven and the, the, the sky was blue. If you've never lived in so much sin, you don't know what that means. I looked at the trees and they were truly green. 
I looked at the creation and everything became, became beautiful. Remember, just before then, I'd been tormented by a suicidal spirit. So when something, when you are being tormented by a suicidal spirit, nothing, there's no color, really. You can be in a wonderful function, people are rejoicing, but you are all alone. All you are, you want to, your thinking is, I think I'm done with this life. There's no need of me living. So everything starts becoming black and gray. Nothing with your gray clothes, you know, you understand that. But that's what it means, just, meaning just everything becomes dark and no life. That's, that's exactly what it means, with no life. So when he breathed into them, that's the new creation. So let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Do you understand what I've just said? So they got born again. So he's talking about being assembled together. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he says this. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, say, Lord, will, it, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Is that verse 8? Yeah, okay. And then he says this. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So he breathed into them. He gave the instructions and he told them, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now look at this. Being born again, that's the beginning. But the Holy Spirit coming upon you is for service. The Holy Spirit coming upon you is for service. I think I was telling uh, our staff, I was reading a book last, this year actually, when you were going to Mass Summit, I was just reading a certain book, I really enjoyed reading. And there's a man who said, he was in the service, he kept going to his church, but he was failing in business. And then it dawned on him, of course that's revelation. That man who I call my pastor, is using the anointing of God to fulfill his purpose to fulfill what God has called him to do. Therefore, I have been missing out the anointing that is supposed to be upon me to fulfill my purpose. From that day henceforth, he said this, I'll be intentional to hear the instructions of the Lord and to go to the word of God so that I may fulfill the, my purpose because I'm called as a businessman. That's what happened. Do you know what he started doing? He brought an offering to the church, the tithes to the church. I said, Pastor, now I am anointed to do business. The ability of God is for the fulfillment of his will through you. Unfortunately, many times as the church, we have, we, we have it from if you come like, like to church like Victory Faith, we can take four hours in the service. So you, unfortunately, some people operate from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. That's when they are in the anointing. But after that, they don't depend on the anointing. You are supposed to depend on the anointing. I'm supposed to depend on my, the anointing to fulfill the call of God in your life and in my life. So if you're a business person, if you're in a workplace, whatever you're, you're called to do, make sure you are conscious of the anointing upon you to do everything. You'll enjoy going to work. Amen? 
So let me say this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, from verse 4 to 8, that, that which you've read. Preparation precedes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Preparation precedes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I can say preparation preceded the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I want it to be a continuous tense because God wants to pour out his Spirit upon us even right now and even in our generation than ever before. Let me make, let me make a statement over here. If all that you have experienced about God is what there is, then that's not God. There is more. There is more we haven't experienced. If you've had the best of best of experiences and, and the, the, the breakthroughs and all that, I want to inform you and I want to announce to you, there is more to experience. There is more to walk in. There is so much in the spirit realm that we can walk in. There's so much in our mental realm, the soulish part. There's so much even in our health that we can walk in. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've checked out in Japan, like being in the 80s, I mean, it's not like you are doing a big deal. So what about the church? We need to go up. We live long and strong and healthy. Amen? Just think about if we gathered here and, and we gather here like 50 years from today, all of us who are here were still around. Huh? If you are now 60, you are what? 110? But you are as strong as you can be? You are serving as a nation? Amen? You've known such prosperity that even when you clear your throat, there is wisdom that comes out of that. I mean, that's the way God wants us to experience, to grow and grow and grow and grow. And, and think about this. You are coming with not only your children who are also old. <laughs> your grandchildren who are also old. And now you have some others who are teenagers who are great, great, great. And you came to church driving. And others, you have a driver, but you decided you're going to drive. I thought you were going to be thrilled. I really thought like that is what I've desired for me to experience. Until the oldest people in your community call you old. <laughs> I want that. Amen. Until you're satisfied. So preparation precedes what? The pouring of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, we see one thing that was notable in that Pentecost was unity or oneness. Unity or oneness. So I hold, if, I hold firmly to the fact that God's presence, power, and provision are in, are in direct proportion for the unity of his people. I'll say it again. I hold firmly to the fact that God's presence, power, and provision are in direct proportion to the unity of his people. That's why you need to be united in your home. Husband, wife, you need to. Because that is being affecting 
God's presence in your home if you are not united has been affecting his power in your home if you are not united. And you know what is being affected? Listen to me carefully. Provision. Provision. There has to be unity in your home. What about who? What about me who's not married? When you marry, make sure you have that unity. You see now we have uh, Wendy and John over here. They're back. Married. Praise God. I thought you were going to welcome them back. <laughs> now you know it's unity. I want that smile for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's what you strive for, unity. Is, is because the fact that God's presence, power, and provision and in direct profession uh, proportion to the unity of his people. Let's go to Exodus 19. Let's see the first Shavuot, Feast of Weeks. That's the giving of the word, which is the law then. But let's go to Exodus 19 quickly. We will wind up, don't worry. When is the, the problem? Or is the thing that is not known? But we wind up. So look at this. This is the first Pentecost or Feast of Weeks. And that was the giving of the word. They have been delivered from Egypt. What, 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 uh, what uh, feast was that? During the Feast of what? Passover. They slaughtered the lamb, a lamb and there was a Passover that night. We find that in, in, in um, Exodus chapter 12. And going there to verse 14, uh, to chapter 14. But look at this. Then 50 days later, after some time, they go to Mount Sinai, and God starts giving them instructions. He's about to appear to them. He's about to give them the word. And I'll say this. Just deliverance itself is not enough. You need to know how the kingdom culture is. How the kingdom culture is is, or what the kingdom culture is. Oh, I said so many words. Okay. Just being saved, being delivered is wonderful. You can rejoice, you can shout for that because of that, but you need to get into the kingdom culture because the kingdom of God has a way of thinking and doing things. So many people get born again, and that's wonderful, and they rejoice and they sing, but all they can sing is this, when we all get to heaven, because they are going through things that are difficult, they don't have the kingdom culture, a way of thinking. And so you hear so many people crying in their prayers. Why? They haven't gotten the culture, a way of thinking. There's a way the kingdom thinks. There is a way that we saw that the kingdom of England, or British kingdom, that the way they think. I'm here to watch that installation because I was in a meeting that, big, uh, what, coronation? I'm here to watch that. I saved it, but I want still to go and watch it and look at all the splendor, the gold that they are supposed to return to Africa. <laughs> all, all that. I'm, I'm here to watch that. Anyone who watched it to the end of it? Oh, good. Do you know why you didn't watch? Because many of you, because you don't think in terms of the kingdom. If you really want to know the 
think kingdom the way they think, you need, to, you need to go, you need to watch that and think about the kingdom of God. You are born into a kingdom. In fact, I'll say this, into the kingdom. The Bible says we are kings and priests unto our God. So there is a way of thinking in the kingdom. Church, yes, church. But listen this, it's the kingdom of God. So I hope that encourages you to go and watch. Do you realize that nothing, nothing cheap was there? Huh? Come on now. Did you realize that they carried traditions of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years? They still carry it? Did you realize that there are some things that have been there for years, like those, that gold which we, we had to receive it by? Uh, but, but, but do you know that it's been, it's been preserved for generations? That's the way kingdom thinks. Watch it with that in mind. Think about you being a king and that is happening in your life. Think about God himself putting that crown on you because of his son Jesus Christ. There was nothing cheap there. Nothing. What, what is visible also? Order and authority. Order and authority. That's the kingdom thinking. Will you watch it? Then we can talk about it next time. Because it will revolutionize your way of thinking. If you watch it, listen this, through the lens of the kingdom of God. All right now. So then, in the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim, and I come to the wilderness of Sinai, and come to the wilderness. So Israel come there before the mountain. And look at verse nine, 3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen, mark these words, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Don't forget that. You saw how I, I, I delivered you from the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Mark that because I'm going to reveal to you, uh, review again the four things that I said, why it's important, I think, some of the important reasons for us to observe this feast. So he's telling them, I bore, on eagles, I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's exactly what God did to deliver you and I, to himself. First, God has always wanted his people to remember his, their redemption. That he wanted his people to never forget that they were redeemed. Never ever. Never forget you are once a sinner and you have been brought into the kingdom. He kept reminding them. So the moment they are keeping those feasts is to remind them of their redemption. You never forget. And then look at this. The second thing that he says is, which I had already told you some, some weeks ago. He says this. 
Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine. Look at verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Second thing that is so important for us to observe this feast is because God has always wanted to distinguish his people from the world controlled by the devil. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 2.9, can I have it there? 1 Peter 2.9. He's ever wanted to distinguish himself, distinguish his people from the world controlled by the devil. There is always a distinction if God's people obey their father. Always. Look at this. Look at the new covenant. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at what follows next verse 10. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have what? Obtained mercy. That's you. You are not a person. <laughs> the Bible says you are not a people. <laughs> you are not a people. But you obtain mercy. We are people of God. So God has always wanted to distinguish his people from the world controlled by the devil. I told you last time, when you go to a meeting and you hear about distinguished guests, just lift up your hands. You're one of them. Okay, don't try that at home. Listen, look at this. So, so he says this. And you shall be a kingdom of priests. What is that? Worship. You shall be a kingdom of priests. Worship. And a holy nation. Remember he says that. that you, go back please. Sorry, go back to that first Peter chapter 2. Then we come back to 19. Look at this. Look at this. Watch this. <laughs> Look at this. But who are not, go back to verse, verse 9. But you are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That is what? Separated, yeah? His own special people. So if you hear of special people, raise up your hand. Your own special people. That you may proclaim what? The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We praise him who has done this work for us. He's brought us into his kingdom. Going back to Exodus 19, he says, you shall be, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. One of the reasons also, God delivered his people and he wants us to keep washing these feet was this. God wanted to bring his people into true worship. God has always wanted to bring his people into true worship. That we have no other God but him. No other God but him. We worship him. He's good to us. True worship. Thank God for experiences we have here in church. But listen to this. In our day-to-day -day life, we need to have true worship. What is this? We fear him. We honor him. 
He is first in everything that we do. And let's go to verse, 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 uh, verse 10 of that. Oh, let's see verse 7, sorry. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded. Then how many? How many people? Then all. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. They were lying. They never did. All that the Lord has said we will do. So Moses broke back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick, thick cloud and the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the people. Uh, the words of the, so Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their clothes. That's where the, the washing of clothes began coming to church. <laughs> now, anyway, do, do you know actually that the God, when, when they were dwelling in the wilderness, you, you check out from the scriptures, I can't remember right now, when they were in the wilderness, God said this, I want these people to have toilets. I don't want when I'm coming, I'm visiting you, I'm seeing your things on top of the ground. God is the one who began telling them, use toilets. Don't. Listen this, he refused flying ones. <laughs> use toilets. It's God. If you're dealing with God, there's order. There's cleanliness. Amen? I'm looking forward. In heaven, I don't think we'll have any perfume. We won't be sweating. The whole place is full of fragrance of heaven. Wonderful. So he tells them, God, they consecrate them today and tomorrow. This is what it means, church. Prepare them. Let the people prepare to come to my presence. Now, in this dispensation, I really so believe is this. What he says is, let the people prepare themselves in the word to come into my presence. The washing of the water by the word. You just can't enter into his presence. It takes preparation. We have wonderful present worship teams, team leading us and singing over here. They just don't show up at 10 o'clock when you are coming in. <laughs> Ever going to meetings at 10 o'clock? From the time we say amen on Sunday, they don't do anything, and then they show up on, on, on Sunday morning. And then Daniel asks Carol, do you have any song? I think I do. And he asks the other one, do you have another, the second song? I think you do. We have another song. Which one? Tutaruka ruka kamandama. That's all what we have. Okay, let's see if we'll sing. Uh, where, is, where is the keyboard player? I don't know. Let me ask him if he's coming or not. Will you have any worship? Will you have experience? What do they require? Preparation. Can I encourage you this? If you really want to have an experience on Sundays, prepare yourself too. Prepare yourself spiritually. Apart from washing your clothes, prepare 
yourself spiritually, you'll have an experience. You, I'm telling you this is what will happen. You'll come in and say this, and you may find, you may find going to them after the service, every song you sang was in my heart. That's because you prepared. But if you, move, you watch a movie until 11 o'clock, action. <laughs> That's why sometimes when people are lifting up their hands, you still have action in your, <laughs> in your head. There's nothing. You don't receive much. You're, really, you don't receive much. And now the worst thing comes when pastor is teaching from one scripture to another, action in your mind, you doze. You doze off. But I'm telling you the truth. Prepare every time you go for any meeting. Even if your office meeting, prepare. You'll excel. Even your office meeting, prepare. You'll excel. You realize you have the answers. Your boss may turn and say, you always have answers. Yeah, it's preparation. So in other words, he's telling them, prepare. And, and look at verse 11. And let them do what? Let them be what? Ready. What does it take? Preparation. Think about this. Hey, these are the children of Israel. They are going to meet, so to speak, their groom. How do you be on a wedding day and, 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 and your wife comes with slippers? Huh? And say, all what I want is a ring. <laughs> I say, you need to go back and change. I'm not going to give a ring to you. What does the bride do? Prepare. Church, don't forget that. Get ready. Be ready for the, for the day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down at Mount Sinai and the, at the sight of what? All people, because it's always been the plan of God for all people to know him. That was his plan for all people. So that was meant for all people to experience. And verse 14, so oh, the whole of it is wonderful. And he said, the boundary and all that. Look at verse 14. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified. Look at this. Sanctified should not throw you away because of that word sanctified. In other words, prepared, set them apart for the day. Get ready for the day. And, and the, the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. I won't talk much about that. In other words, separate yourself. The Bible says uh, that you, you can be apart, especially during prayer and fasting, and then after that, you get back to each other quickly. This is for married people only. You have no one to get back to quickly if you're not married. Can I hear you, amen? amen. All right, okay. So, <laughs> and, and uh, wife, uh, this should not be an excuse. We are getting ready. For the last one year, we are getting ready to meet the Lord. No, 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 no. He didn't say that. You understand that? You all 
don't look at me that way as if you don't know what I'm talking about. This is, should not be an excuse. I'm fasting, not from January to December. The Bible doesn't say so. All right, let's go on. You have anything to say? <laughs> I, I get to the, but that's the word I've read from the, be ready for the third day to do not come near your wives. But this is the Bible. Okay, yeah. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all, look at this, all, all the people who in the camp trembled. That's a fear of God right there. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. They stood there. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon, upon it in fire. His smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Wow, what a sight. Do you have an imagination? What a sight. The thunders, the lightning. God has come down. But listen to this. They didn't want. People didn't want. Moses, I'll have to read this for your sake. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people as they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate the, themselves lest the Lord break out against them. Look at, listen to Moses. Don't ever argue with God. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. Uh, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Never tell God as if he doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen to what he, how he answers. Then the Lord said to him, away! Get down! Can you imagine the Lord telling you that? He said, tell it. They're telling you, giving you instruction, tell them, no, Lord, but, but, but you already told them. Away, get down, and then come up. You and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. Don't ever argue with an authority. You always never, you, you won't win. You just, just say, yes, I will. All right? So then, don't, don't forget this. It takes preparation to come before his presence. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, after having given instructions in verse 8, look at what it says, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Let's start from verse 12, please. Never change, same God, same desire to have his people, all of them know him. Look at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem, they've been given instructions there to wait for the promise of the Father. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And then, next, uh, and when they had entered, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Let's read verse 14 together. These all continue the one accord in prayer, 
and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. After they had been given instruction, they took another step. They waited. They prepared for the day. Breakthroughs requires, require preparation. Nothing just happens without preparation. I tell you the truth. These seats and everything in the sanctuary didn't just fall in place while we were praying last evening. It takes preparation. If you want to see anything worthwhile, anointed by God, it takes preparation. So I want you to, to hear this. The, Pen the Pentecost coming is not an event. It just occurred one time. No, it's an attitude. It's an attitude. And God told his people, remember this, all these feasts. He said three times a year, the Feast of, Pen uh, the feast of Passover, the Feast of uh, Tabernacle, I mean, um, of our weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacle, you shall appear before me. What does that mean, appearing before him? It takes preparation. You just don't show up. Ladies know how to prepare if they are going for a party. I thought, ladies, you're going even to answer. You know how to prepare when you're going to a party. I keep, I keep insisting, honey, we're leaving at 10.30. I'll go back. We shall be leaving at 10.30. That means you're already in the car leaving. No, that's not the time to get in the car. Because I know that it will require her some preparation. Now, I take, I, take, I take some time to prepare. In fact, when we are traveling, my, my, my bags are usually big. My, my luggage is usually much compared to hers. Why is that so? I'm the kind, I think, in these terms. I don't want to reach there and to be thinking, I wish I'd carry. So because I don't want to be saying, I wish I carry. So I come back with clothes and shoes. I haven't even worn them. I return them. I don't want to go there and think, I wish I'd carry this. I carry. I think at the house they get surprised that, my goodness, pastor is the one who's carrying more things than his wife. I do. I carry the things that I'm not going to use. Last time we were there, I think about 10 days when I came back, I was removing two pairs of shoes. I didn't even use them. I returned them to the, to the shoe rack. At least I had them just in case. <laughs> you, you, you understand? That's the way I think. Instead of going there and you're thinking, I, I wish I had carried that. Wishes don't want to bring them to you. Now, look at this. My, uh, my point here is they prepared for the day of Pentecost. Preparations are critical for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I say this, for the things that God wants you and I to step into. Let's go back to that Deuteronomy 16. So how are you going to prepare? Is that, that's, that's, oh, come on, that's what you've been waiting for. Even. How are you going to prepare? 
Let's look at verse 14 before we go to Deuteronomy 16. They all, you see that? Remember that in, in Exodus 19, when they are going to meet with God, all is being one. Unity. That was important. All the people came out to meet with God. All. Unity is so critical. So they all continued with what? One accord. That unity is so critical. And that's why I encourage you, even in the week, if there has been strife, you know, especially in your home, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Husband, wives, get together and say, you know what? You don't have to say you have been wrong. I've been wrong. Let's join our hands together and bring in unity in our home. Oh, your home is critical, church. To have that peace in your home is so critical. Don't allow strife in your home. Really don't. Fight devils out there, but when you go home, you are around angels. You see what I'm saying? Fight devils out there. When you go out, you have some battles out there. But if the battles begins right there at the home, it becomes so difficult to win out there. Fight devils out there and tell him this, you won't be in my home. There is the blood at the door, the Passover. So my home knows what? Unity. Amen? Come on, I thought you were going to get excited regarding that. My home knows unity. And sons and daughters, keep that unity in your home. You don't know what it is to be in someone's womb for nine months and change their walking styles. Some of them enlarge their noses. You know what that means? I mean, some people, I mean, you see that noses become even bigger. You don't know what that means. You don't know how many nights that mama had to wake up. You know, it's so disrespectful just to dishonor your mom and your dad. Can I say this? No matter what they've done to you. Honor them, they carried you. How many times do you wake up at night? Do you know all you need to do is say, mom, forgive me, I was wrong. Even if she was the one who was wrong. I was wrong, ma'am. I ought to love you no matter what has happened between us. Send a gift. Amen? Love them. Love your parents. Strive to have that unity. That's very critical. Why is that so? Because you are a person of the word. You have the word of God. Husband, wife, children have that unity in their home. They all continue with an accord. And listen... These, are, these people had differences. Do you remember even just before crucifixion? When James came and uh, the mother even appeared to Jesus and said, come on now, we want some special seats for my boys. you remember that? There was strife, even before. And other disciples are not happy. But listen this. They set aside their differences for a purpose. They set aside their differences for a purpose. What is that? God's purposes are bigger 
than our differences. God's purposes. Because as long as we continue in strife, it's affecting, or if this is the right word, stifling. Is that the right word? To stifle? Uh, the, uh, God's purposes in, through our homes. So what do we do? First, we want that unity. We want to have honor at home. We want that presence of God at home. We want a place that people can come and find God's presence. We don't entertain uh, strife in this ministry. If come like, you saw like Lee Joyner and, and, and we, I had them speak, talk so many things, but, but uh, when, she came in, when they came in, she said this, the first thing that I experienced here, even at the parking, as we entered into this compound, was peace. Was peace. That's how you should be in your home. The first thing when people come is to find in your home is peace. There's just order. There's just peace in the atmosphere. Why is that so? Because you have strived to walk in that unity. Amen? Just think about this. You come over here and I'm in strife with Tina, strife with Elder Francis, uh, Elder Ruth. Now we are even in bigger strife, you know. And then him is, is looking at uh, Deacon Duncan and there, there's even more strife. During worship, we had him lift up his, his maybe close to each other. He had him, uh, she had him lift up his voice and said, I love you, Lord. She felt like punching his, his head. You, you understand? Uh, uh, hey, what kind of a church will you have? You need to have a home. You need a peaceful home. Do something. I do believe this. Listen to me now. I'm speaking by the Spirit. I do believe this. The grace of God has been released for you now to handle those issues at home quickly. Quickly. There is that grace of God. In repentance, in humility, because we want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They continue in one accord. The first thing we see is here, prayer and supplication. Can we read it from the Amplified Classic Version, please? And then the Passion, and then we'll start winding up. That is Acts 1.14. <clears throat> they all continue with one accord in... Oh, sorry. And all of these with their minds... Have you seen that? that how do you prepare... With, your, with their minds in full agreement, devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer, waiting together. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Are you seeing that? Their minds in full agreement, devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer. That's very important right there. What about you as an individual in preparation? Stay, take time in word and prayer what is happening, you are having your mind renewed to God's purposes. You see what I'm saying? You're having your mind renewed to God's purposes. Go to the Passion Translation, please, of the same scripture. Arriving there, they're into a large second floor room to pray. <laughs> Upper room, second floor room, yeah? 
Uh, go. Okay, let me go down to the end. His brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Is that it? Interceding night and day. But they were united in prayer, gripped with passion, interceding night and day. Passion for God has to be rekindled in your heart. So one of the preparations is you allow that passion to be rekindled in your heart. Check out areas that you have fallen from his presence and from his power and from his ability and go right there and start taking time with him. Go back to Deuteronomy 16, 16. We're winding up now. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God. And in the, in the new covenant, there's, no neither, neither, there's neither male nor female. All of us are children of God. And look at this. In the place which he chooses are the feast of the unleavened bread. We celebrated some weeks ago, about 30-something days ago or 40 days ago. At the feast of weeks, which we're about to celebrate this week, and at the feast of tabernacles, which is coming later in the year, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. This is the reason. When God tells you to bring something into, your, into his hands, it's because he has, in his mind, he wants to multiply that thing and bless you back. Don't ever forget that. God cannot take anything from you without thinking of how he can be a big blessing to you and change your life. So what is he asking from his people? All the time, God wanted his people to be in his, in his cycle of blessing and not to depend on the economy of the world, which keeps failing. It's failing. So much even talk about Kenya's economy. So much talk about taxes, and on and on. That is happening. But listen, this church, we can depend on God. We can trust God. First, we can trust God for our nation. People are hurting. People are desperate. But second, we can trust God for his blessing, even in the time of famine, that God is blessing us with financial breakthroughs. I say again, even in the time of famine, in the time of crisis, that God is blessing us with financial blessings. We have increased in the midst of a crisis of famine. What does it require? Like we read in, De in Genesis chapter 26, come with a seed and say, I'm ready, Lord. Do what you want to do. Do what you are known for, generosity. <laughs> do what you are known for, Lord, generosity. So I really encourage you this week and to encourage you to come in unity on Wednesday. At six o'clock we meet right here. And then on Friday, instead of having our care home fellowship, we shall be meeting right here at six o'clock for the time of prayer, the word and prayer to prepare our hearts. Do I know everything that the Lord is going to do? 
No, but I know he's good. I know there is much for us to experience in his presence. So I encourage you again, Wednesday, 6 o'clock right here, that unity and all coming. And then on Friday, 6 o'clock, instead of having our care home fellowship, we'll gather right in here to receive the word and, and the instruction that the Lord will have for us and pray. God wants to pour out his spirit upon your life. And things that you have experienced, you have known, you have even taken them as being normal. God wants to change that completely. They be the thing of the past because he has blessings for his people. Amen? Rise up on your feet, please. I, I'm, I'm done. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Would you just thank him and bless him? I want to pray for you. Ella Francis, if you can get ready so that you can come and do the altar call. Just really just lift up your hands to him. Thank you, Father. Are there words that I've spoken that has touched your heart, you know, your life? That you've not been living the way you should, you know that. The strife may be even in your own family. I want you just to start opening your heart and ask God to forgive you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your presence. For the work of your spirit in the lives of your people. Hardness of heart been broken. You said you'll give to your people hearts of flesh which are sensitive to you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus. So shall it be the word that goes out of your mouth it shall not return to you void, but it shall accomplish what you please and prosper in the thing they enter. Father, thank you for what, your word that you've granted me to speak to your people. Thank you for fruit and fruit that will remain. I take authority over strife. Strife, leave God, God's people. Leave their homes now in the name of Jesus. The spirit of strife. And I pray, Father, for your mercy and your grace. Unity, oneness, forgiveness, mercy. And I thank you, Father, for divine order in the homes of your people. I speak your blessing upon them. Father, as we begin, we've just begun this week and in preparation for the Feast of Weeks, thank you for distinguishing us. Thank you for our separation. Thank you for our preparation. Thank you for supplying seed to the soul. 
Thank you, Father. Everyone who desires to participate in this, make a way for them and enable them and strengthen them, Father, and grant that seed to them. And I thank you, Father, for everything that you are doing this season. I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen.